Welcome in to the Bear Down Podcast right here on the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black, usually with Adam Abdallah. He's off today. Uh, Black and Abdallah, weeknights 6 to 8 right here on ESPN 1000. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we bring to you the Bear Down Podcast. Bears Conversation and the National Football League right here on the Bear Down Podcast. Today on the episode, we will hear from Matt Eberflus. He spoke to the media on Tuesday and also today on a Thursday as the Bears prepare for a Saturday night preseason game, the last preseason game uh, before we get to the regular season. And the starters have been told that they will play at least a half. And so I think Bears fans heading into this game, that it, there's some excitement. And I think it's a good thing that we're going to see some of the young players in live game action. Now, some news from earlier today from the Cleveland Browns. Kevin Stefanski, head coach for the Browns, said that his starters will be playing uh, on Saturday night as well. So you'll see both starting units for both teams. Jacoby Brissett will be out there for the Browns. And you'll see kind of like a mock of what the regular season will kind of be like for at least a quarter, if not more, with both of these teams on Saturday night. As a Bears fan, I'm excited for that because I want to see what this first unit offense has to do uh, to score points. And I want to see more than what we saw against the Seahawks. We saw one drive where they went on a run, they got down there, they kicked a field goal, and that's all we saw from Justin Fields. I like some of the things I saw from the from the offensive line to this point. Uh, it seems as if they are starting to come together just a little bit. Are they going to be great? Probably not. But it seems as if things have been solidified, especially with Tevin Jenkins in the mix, and it seems like he is gunning for a starting position on the offensive line. So Saturday night, Browns-Bears, looking forward to it. And I think the key here, first half, you're going to get the starters, offense and defense out there. And you want you want to see the defense kind of put together a couple stops and the offense go on a couple nice scoring drives. That would be nice. Like, get into the end zone. Show us something. A little morsel, a little nugget, something to be excited about. You know, here on the podcast, uh, me and Abdallah have kind of painted this picture throughout the offseason that this team is going to be good enough to be competitive, hopefully cover a lot of spreads, but also be in that mix where through the months of September, October, and into November, this Bears team is going to be teetering on 500. And if that's the case, they're going to be in the playoff conversation, in the hunt on the graphics on TV. It'll show. That's not saying they're going to be great or good. It's just a competitive football team with like a new identity, new coaching staff, and things are pointing in the right direction. Hopefully next year we can talk playoffs. But I think for this season, a more professional-looking football team will go a long way compared to what we saw last year under Matt Nagy. So let's get to the head coach, Matt Eberflus, on Tuesday. He talked about, to the media, what he's looking for from the first-team offense on Saturday night. Yeah, I would just say, I'll just reiterate uh, just the style. The style of what we're, we're looking for, um, the way we finish plays, um, you know, the way we run the ball, uh, the way we operate, you know, in terms of first and second down and also third down. We have to improve there from last game. Um, and then two-minute. You know, we got hopefully we'll get a two-minute drive in there. We'll be able to operate that because we've certainly worked on it a lot. So we want to be able to see that, hopefully. You know, that's something where if you go back one season, you know how it is, Bears fans. That team last year with that head coach, with Matt Nagy as the head coach, 
they seem to always be not prepared for the moment, uh, not aware of clock situations, uh, the inability to have a chunk play and then follow it up with a delay a game or a burn of a timeout early in a half. Uh, that stuff really, really got to me. It really pissed me off. And it also, I think it pointed to the lack of success from the head coach that others in the NFL could kind of handle. There are other head coaches who are thinking ahead. They know when they use the timeouts. They know what they're doing on that next play. They know how to handle a two-man drill. So as Eberflus said, that's what we're looking for on Saturday night, something to keep our eyes on. We also talked to Eberflus. Uh, the media talked to Eberflus on Tuesday about what with the starters is he looking to see in there in the first half against the Browns with all the starters on both sides. What does he want to accomplish in that setting? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot. It's a lot of things. You know, it's uh, you know establishing your identity, establishing your style of play. You know how we how, the effort we give, uh, the execution we give, situational football. You know, it'll be at third down. You know, if we get a two minute drive, uh, how we operate in the gold zone. You know, all those things that that come into play that are, are good football. Uh, again, we want to play a good operation, clean operation, and we want to be aggressive. Uh, in our style and aggressive in our approach. So that's what we'll be looking for. And it seems like that, that's all sustainable. That's all stuff that's not just uh, words that a coach is saying to the media to appease them. It, it sounds throughout camp, and I know that you've been listening to this podcast, and we've featured a lot of sound from Matt Eberflus throughout training camp. And the reason we've been doing that is so that you have some kind of archive and record too. What is actually taking place with this team? You know, Eberflus speaks to the media multiple times a week. And when he does, it's like, yeah, you get a clip on the news. You'll hear it on a show. Here, here's a clip of Eberflus talking about that. And then it kind of goes away. And, and what we've kind of done here on the podcast is we're archiving what is being said and, and how this team is kind of taking shape and, and what the direction of this team is going to be. The effort, the attack attacking nature all of that i think is good to see it feels different and i know that i've i've kind of talked about it in this space before it felt as if matt Nagy was trying to prove something every single time he cracked the mic every single time he was up there at the podium talking to uh reporters it felt like he was trying very hard to convince them convince you, the Bear fan, and also himself that he was worthy. I don't get that impression from Eberflus. Both guys are first-time head coaches. Matt Eberflus has been around the block a little bit longer than Matt Nagy. And it feels as if he has prepared for a long time for this opportunity. And he's comfortable. Now, the last time I brought this up here on the podcast, I made note in saying, yeah, this sounds great now. If they go 0-4 to start the season, I may change my opinion on it. And also, I doubt he'll sound as comfortable as he does right now. But as a Bears fan consuming this, it does feel different. Right? Like, Nagy had a little of that used car salesman I'm a genius, play caller, know-it-all type of guy with no credentials. Like, yeah, 
You play called in a wild card game where your team didn't score any points and you lost. Like outside, outside of that, your daddy ran the dealership, right? Like Andy Reid, it's his dealership. It's his name out front. You were just there. It, it felt very forced from Nagy. Eberflus, I don't get the same impression. Now I'll give the I'll give uh, criticism to the higher. You know, li- look around the league, the rest of the National Football League. Only one other team in this last hiring cycle went with a defensive-minded head coach. The Saints elevated Dennis Allen. He was their defensive coordinator, so they kept it in-house after Sean Payton left. The Bears are the only team that went out and hired a coach, a coordinator from somewhere else to become their head coach that was a defensive-minded guy. Everyone else in this last hiring cycle went off the offensive tree. And yeah, there were a lot of wannabe McVeighs or Brandon Staley's, right? Like the, a bunch of young hotshot guys who've kind of immediately popped. And the Bears went a different route. So listen, if it doesn't work, I, I think we can point to that decision. But it feels, ever since Eberflus got here, very comfortable. It makes sense. I like his approach. And it's all something to kind of consider as the Bears have that, that game, that final preseason game against the Browns on Saturday night. You know, something that came up this week on Tuesday, Eberflus was asked, you know, your roster's kind of in transition, right? There's a lot of new bodies, a lot of draft picks, a lot of signings, uh, some big ticket named guys are not on the roster anymore. And then you have a roster with a bunch of holdovers, a lot of pace guys still around. Poles can't replace the entire 53 by the time you get to the new season, right? So you got Poles dealing with pace guys, Eberflus, on the other hand, having to coach up some pace guys who are here in the old system. And so the question was asked to Coach Eberflus, how do you get those players, the holdovers, the pace guys, to buy into the new system, especially defensively? This is what Eberflus had to say. Yeah, those are always uh, you know things that you look at. You know, you're you're talking about different pieces to a puzzle when you're going from a three-four to a four-three. Um, and a lot of times that's converting those, you know, outside backers, you know, back to defensive ends like Robert. And Robert's unique because he's already done that. You know, he's been an outside backer before and he's been a 4-3 in before. So that's not too big of a stretch for him. But it's really about the buy-in. You know, it's about the buy-in and, you know, them committing, you know, to themselves first that they're going to do it the way the standard and be the standard because the standard's very hard uh, for, for a lot of guys to adjust to. And I think our guys are adjusting well to it. And uh, you can see that evidence on, on the practice field. But it's, it's not always easy to buy into that right away because it takes time. Guys have to learn what we're asking for, what the standards are, and then eventually they become the standard. What's the key to getting the buy what, to convincing them? Feedback. you got to give feedback. It's immediate feedback. You never walk by a mistake. Um, and it's a, always a conversation that you have, player to coach, coach to player, with respect and showing them the way that the standard is supposed to be and then they become that standard. Now, I, I listened to this on Tuesday, and I thought to myself, there's certainly a topic here that we can use on the big show, <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't know if, if necessarily you could play the whole clip and kind of do this, but I think there's something relatable to this that anyone can, can kind of hear, and they get it. Uh, be the standard, instant feedback, 
don't let mistakes just happen and just go on with your day. And like any person in business who is hiring, or maybe that person has people, uh, you know, you're managing people within your office, you know, whatever the case may be, Fortune 500 company, uh, maybe a a retail store, uh, whatever that setting, having a standard and then holding people respectfully to said standard creates a better product. Is Eberflus the first football coach to kind of point this out? No. Did that exist previously with this team? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And you know, you're listening to this. You know, you know, I know you know. You either work with someone or you worked at some point with somebody who A, didn't follow or or work up to par with the standard and B, someone else allowed them to slip by and just coast who wasn't participating in the standard because no one gave feedback on it. You know, like, and not to go down, like, story story time with Black here, but so before I, I was uh, here at ESPN 1000 uh, full-time, focused on doing this, I worked at the Apple Store in Northbrook Court. Uh, so I started the fall... The year that the iPhone originally was released, I think it was 2007, if not 2008, uh, that fall after the iPhone was released, I started working at Apple. And one of the things Apple is like, part of the reason their retail stores are so successful is because everything with the employees, it's all about feedback. You can give feedback anyway. You can give feedback to a manager. You can give a feedback to uh, someone who's below you. In a a situation, if you're in a different department, a specialist, a creative, a genius, all the different roles within the store, you can give feedback. And it's meant like the reason you create a culture of feedback, so then everyone's elevating together, right? You're all trying to get better at what you do. And like, it, it was a refreshing thing to be a part of. And it was cool to see in action. And like the moment I heard Eberflus start talking about this, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm sure there's people at their desk jobs that are like, yeah, you don't have to really do anything, right? Like you could show up, kind of make your calls, make your dials, totally half-ass it. The standard isn't as, uh, say, great as, as what it should be. And people just slip by, slide by. They coast, And clearly, and to relate this back to a team with less talent, clearly the concept here is that you now are putting max effort into cleaning up all that other right? Like, it's max effort. I'm going to to, uh, mark that, and I'm going to bleep it for comedic effect. Uh, Because this is a podcast, you can swear, but I think it's funnier if we bleep it out. Those who listen to Black Abdal weeknights, you get it. Uh, But, like, when you eliminate all that stuff and everyone's participating with the standard and the standard is there and people are getting feedback on the standard to then improve, like, I think this is going to be a huge year for Jalen Johnson. I think Eddie Jackson actually will be a decent player for this team defensively. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm, like, too close to consuming all this stuff and I think this is all going to work. I think they're going to be a pretty dangerous team. 
competitive team this year. Stick around 500 for most of the season. I, I like that. I think that's the way this is heading. Eberflus on Thursday talked about uh, what he wants to see from Justin Fields on Saturday night. Here's the head coach. Poise, uh, execution, you know, running the offense, you know, having command, presence out there, um, him doing his thing. And then we're just excited to get him more in there, more comfortable. You know, he's a young player, and uh, this is a, a, a big game experience for him that he's going to have prior to the start of the season. And uh, he's excited about it. He's excited about getting out there and doing it. Does Eberflus know who will uh, start this season on the offensive line? This is what the coach had to say on Thursday. Yeah, I think we're still in that evaluation mode um, with the offensive line. Um, you know, we're still looking at a lot of guys. Uh, we're still looking at the combinations. I know we're kind of solidified, you know, as of late, uh, the recent one that's been out there. and But we're still, this thing is still open. The competition is still open, so everybody's got to put their best foot forward. They got to perform, you know, this Saturday, and they got they have to, you know, get it done on the field. So there you go. Uh, no commitment, but it sounds as if some of the pieces on the offensive line are starting to align for the Chicago Bears. And you know, it's a unit that we all expected that that would be pretty bad. Uh, they were bad last year. All the different websites that rank this stuff kind of pointed to the Bears being one of the worst offensive lines. And if you didn't even understand offensive line play, all you have to know was watch the way Justin Fields is running running around for his life last season. When you look at the offensive line, it seems like left tackle Braxton Jones will be your guy. Cody Whitehair, left guard. Lucas Patrick, when healthy, uh, could be your center. Sam Mustaford has been the guy in practice in the last couple weeks as the healthy body at center. It seems... Like, Tevin Jenkins has really taken control of that right guard position in the last week and a half. And then it's up to Riley Reef and Larry Borum. Borum has gotten a lot of opportunities as of late, so we'll find out on the offensive line what it's looking like, but that would be a major win here in training camp. If Tevin Jenkins is your starting right guard, he goes from a traded, a wanted-to-be-traded player who wasn't there to a guy who shows up and is immediately impacting uh, positive plays on the offensive line. I think that would be a huge win for the Bears as we head into this season. One last thing for Matt Eberflus. What was the like buzz thing that we heard about Eberflus and his defense and his coaching style? It was his hits principle. You've heard this. Hustle, intensity, taking the ball away, and situationally smart. His hits principle. He was asked today, when did you come up with this hits principle? Here's the coach. Yeah, I mean, it was really when I was with Rod. Um, you know, I was, with, I was in Dallas, and Rod uh, and I got together. I think it was 2013 or 14, somewhere in there. I think Rod took over in 2014. And, you know, the impact that he had on me, because I would look at his drills and how he did uh, his thing with the defensive line, because he was defensive coordinator and coaching defensive line at the time. And I said, well, shoot, this guy's a master coach. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be as good as him and, and, and do it his way. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to come up with, a, with something that I can measure, you know, so I can give immediate feedback to the players. And so everything is measured, you know, so every play, every detail. So you want to talk about, you know, how the intensity part of it. Well, I started measuring the last three yards. So from contact, you know, from player 
tackling to hitting the player running running the ball, I measure that last three yards. I want to see an acceleration to and through, okay, and then a hamstring tackle after that. So that's one way we would measure it. You know, it's like the well, the low system's been around since the Bucks, but um, you know the detail of that. So I wanted to do that with the hustle and the intensity part of it, and then the strip attempts. You know, are you really stripping it every play? Not just sticking your hand out there to appease me, but are you really going after it? And, you know, we coach that every single play, and it's all measured. So you can coach details every single play. And what you'll see is that when you do it offense, defense, and kicking, your, your team will, will understand the exact standards because everything's on the table. You don't hide anything. It's like, well, you got to strip attempt. I'm just going to let that go. No, we're not going to let that go. you got to get a strip attempt there. This is how you're going to do it. And uh, the players have bought into it, and you know we'll see where the buy-in is. You know we'll see it. We got to see it. We're only good as our last performance. We'll see what we do this performance. So there you go, Matt Eberflus, going back to the instant feedback and in, in creating a standard that everyone has to buy into. Uh, hopefully, leading the Bears to a uh, somewhat successful season in his first year. You know the the key here again, as I've said multiple times on the podcast, neither me or Abdallah. Neither of us are saying nine or ten wins. Uh, success to us would be seven, eight, hanging around 500. And the date is that Packers home game. Look at the schedule. If the Bears could hang around 500 for, for the majority of the season, it will make things interesting for December the 4th. So the Bears host the Packers week 13 against Green Bay. There is a path for the Bears to be around 500 all the way to that point. And at that point, if you get through week 13, you're not going to beat Green Bay. We, we know how this goes. And you have Philly, good team, Buffalo, Super Bowl favorite, uh, Detroit, Minnesota. That could go either way. At that point, if you're already sitting with five or six wins, you've already uh, clinched it for yourself to get over the number in Vegas. Right, like all you have to do is get one more out of your last five. That should be doable. In that month of November, Miami, not sold on them, but having Detroit, Atlanta, and the Jets, that should be our November as Bears fans should be positive. And at that point, like think about how it works. You're sitting there on Thanksgiving. Uh, you're watching the games, and, and then they start talking about in the hunt, playoff per, uh, push, all this different stuff. The Bears are going to be in that conversation. They're not going to get to that Packers game with, like, one win. That's just not happening. We'll admit it here on the show if we're wrong. We absolutely will. We remember what we say. I'm just saying, if you look at the schedule, they have a chance to at least go back and forth, win, loss, hang around 500 all the way through the month of November. And at that point, I think that's a pretty successful first season for Eberflus, for Fields, for this whole team. And then spend some money in the offseason, get some more weapons for Fields. Hopefully he takes another step. Hopefully the offensive line stays healthy. Fields stays upright. And then, boom, we're now moving forward. Now, hopefully... In next offseason, we're talking playoffs. I saw this on the Action Network earlier today. Uh, the Bears under has been the most popular win total bet of the summer. At Caesar Sportsbook, there's 18 times more money on the under than the over. 
Think about that. If this was someone else's team, the contrarian better in, in, in your mind, you would say, all right, I'm going the other way just because there's so much money on the under, I'm going to take the over. At DraftKings, the number was uh, under six and a half wins, went from minus 120 to minus 125 in late June. In early August, it was minus 190. And it's possible that number might be six at some point before the season starts. So keep your eyes on that. Uh, the Bears win total, especially if it gets down to six, uh, you don't want to push, but take the over. Uh, if there's places still offering five and a half, take the over. But even the six and a half, I, I could see uh, the Bears getting over the six and a half in Vegas. One other thought around the NFL. Did you see this? Uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, Tyron Smith facing surgery for a torn hamstring. Uh, the Cowboys are saying there's a possible December return. The left tackle Smith has been one of the best left tackles in all of the NFL. And his ability to be on the field certainly helps Dak Prescott. When Dak is there and Smith is not there, the numbers drop. Offensively, yards per rush when Smith is not on the field drops from 4.8 to 4.1. Yards per pass attempt with Smith on the field, 7.8, 7.1. Sack percentage with Smith on the field, 4.2. With him off the field, 6.2. So right now, I checked uh, before I started recording the podcast here on a Thursday. The Cowboys are still, in most spots, the favorite to win the NFC East at plus 140. The Eagles are plus 160. The Commanders, plus 500. The Giants, plus 750. I don't see now, if, if Smith is out for the majority of the year, I like the Cowboys. I think they're a playoff team. I don't think they win the division, though. So that's where I would go Eagles plus the 160. And then if you're looking at the win totals for the Cowboys and the Eagles, the Cowboys, their over-under is at 10. That's high. The Eagles at 9.5. A, a lot of people we've been talking to uh, on this podcast and on Black and Abdallah have been telling us about the Eagles over the 9.5. I think Jack told us that last week. So it's something to keep your eyes on. The Eagles with Smith out, Tyron Smith out, left tackle for the Cowboys. How will that offense look, and will they be able to keep Dak Prescott healthy? It's something to keep your eyes on. Uh, here on the Beartown Podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we'll be back next Tuesday to recap the Bears and the Browns from Saturday night. And wow, we are getting so close to the start of the National Football League season. Can't wait for it. I'm Chris Black. This is the Beardown Podcast. Remember to subscribe, to like, to share. Bear Down Podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and also check out Black and Abdallah, six to eight weeknights right here on ESPN 1000. We'll talk to you next Tuesday right here on the Bear Down Podcast.